The following audio is from Maranatha Chapel, located in San Diego, California. For more information about Maranatha Chapel, please visit www.maranathachapel.org. If you have a Bible, let's open it to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 9. We're going to look at the last few verses. Uh, the title of the message is Light Conquers Darkness. And let's just pray for this. Father, in the name of Jesus, may the Holy Spirit speak to our hearts, lead and guide us now through these stories uh, from 2,000 years ago. But Lord, they are living stories. Your power lives today. Your resurrection power lives on today. For we know that you rose from the dead 2,000 years ago, and you ascended, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father, and you are coming again, and you will bring with you all of your glory and power and authority, and the kingdom of heaven will come. How we long for your kingdom, pray for your kingdom to come, and we believe it is coming, and maybe sooner than any of us could imagine or realize But now may our hearts hear what the Spirit would say to us this day in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. So real quick, um, we'll go through this, uh, the couple of stories. Number one, the king's heart is moved by those who are desperate. I wonder if there is anyone here this morning that you're going through a season of desperation. Uh, Then I want you to listen and pay careful attention to this story. And even if you're not desperate right now, you probably have been in the past. And if I may say, you probably will be again. So what do we do when we're desperate? We go to Jesus. We read in verse 27, when Jesus departed from there, two blind men followed him, crying out and saying, son of David, have mercy on us. And when he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe I am able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. And then Jesus sternly warned them, saying, see that no one knows it. But when they had departed, they spread the news about him in all that country. They were not obedient little blind guys that got healed. But anyway, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Blindness was common uh, in ancient times. They didn't have the, you know, what we know and understand now and the hygiene. And by the way, if I may just say, uh, the books that are in the Old Testament, such as the exciting, thrilling book of Leviticus, with all these details of, you know, uh, rituals, and, and much of it has to do with washing and cleansing and washing your hands and all of that. And what we now know in modern times, and especially since so many here at Maranatha and San Diego are part of the medical community, is that those laws were not arbitrary religious laws, but they were before, you know, medicine caught up to the Bible It was clean, cleanliness, washing and cleansing had to do with keeping germs away, and then they did not know about. But there were those who didn't follow those things, and so there were many illnesses, and blindness was one of those common things. Now, in the Bible, blindness is a picture also of spiritual ignorance and unbelief. We know of at least six stories in the gospel of Jesus healing blind people, and it wasn't just to show he had the power to heal the blind. Um, There were many blind people in ancient Israel, but it was symbolic. 
that he as the Savior, as the King, representing the kingdom of heaven, was coming to take away the blinders off of the eyes of those who were wanting and looking and longing for the kingdom of heaven. It's interesting that Jesus said to uh, a religious man named Nicodemus that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So when we come to Christ and when we ask him into our heart and life to be our Lord and our Savior and to forgive us of our sins, he brings the light Uh, He opens our eyes of the kingdom of heaven, and we are then to grow spiritually, just even if you are born again and even because you are saved, uh, he wants us to continue to grow spiritually so as not to damage our spiritual vision. For those of you that have known the Lord for a season, the longer you walk with the Lord, the more your eyes will be opened, the more spiritually you will see. And you will perceive things in the world, knowledge, information, uh, facts, stories, science, everything. You will have another layer of supernatural light through which you will understand all of these things. And Jesus wanted to show by the physical healing that I can also open the eyes of mankind. How many would agree there's a lot of darkness on the planet right now? And would you not agree that a lot of that darkness... Uh, is because people, yeah, maybe they see physically, but they're blind mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and doing dark deeds. Week seems like every, I was going to say every other week, almost it seems like every week there's some tragic crisis. And it, it's from the darkness that is over men's eyes. So here these men communicated, uh, and significantly, what did they shout? Son of David, have mercy on us. This title is a strong messianic designation. It was a common rabbinic term for the Messiah who needs to be a direct descendant of King David. And therefore, he was called in Hebrew, Mashiach ben David. The Messiah, the anointing one, who will be the son of David. Now, in 2 Samuel... In the Old Covenant, uh, we, of course, know about David. God loved this man, David. He's a pretty well-known character even outside of church and Sunday school around the world. He was unique. Uh, When David was the king, really, that was the zenith of Israel's presence and political power in the world. By the way, in that one brief time, you could say maybe the 40 years of David's reign and then following with his son Solomon, who inherited much of what his father David had brought. For that brief period of 70 or 80 years, Israel was a superpower in the world. And those bordering countries wanted favor with David and honored Israel because they feared their strength, their power. He was, he was not just a politician. He, he was more than a king. He was a giant. He was a spiritual man. And God looked down and he said, there's something about this man, David. He lived big. He sinned big. He repented big. And he was a worshiper of God where he was not embarrassed. He could be in, among all of the nation of Israel. He did not care or think about what man thought. When he danced before the Lord with all his might, he was worshiping God. 
And God said, David is a man after my own heart. So David finally came to a place. He says, God, I want to honor you. I want all the nations to honor you. I'm going to build you a house like no other house has ever been built. For you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true and living God. And I want to honor you with a house. And God came to David uh, through the prophet Nathan to say to him, David, did I ever ask you to build me a house? No, I've never asked you to build me anything or to build me a house. And by the way, David, you cannot build my house, for you have been a warrior. Your hands have blood on them. No man with blood on his hands can build the house of God. You've taken life. And I'm sure that that you know, shocked David, wounded David, like, oh, wow, what, have I done something wrong? And I love the heart of God because right on the heels of him saying, no, you're a man of war, you could never build me a house. However, David, I want to tell you something. I want you to know how much I love you. He goes, guess what? You can't build me a house, but I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build your throne, your dynasty. And God, you know, when he gave the promise originally, I believe in Genesis 3.15, the seed that would crush the serpent, Satan, that seed promised in the first few paragraphs of Genesis was the first real prophecy of a coming Savior, Redeemer, Mashiach, anointed one that would deliver us from sin and death and all of darkness and evil. And, but then God had to narrow it down, so he chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, through Jacob, 12 sons, 12 tribes. Then eventually God narrowed prophetically things from 12 tribes down to, he said, the Messiah will come through the tribe of Judah. But within Judah, there were many families. And so of all the families within the chosen tribe of Judah, God said, now it will be the family of David specifically that the Messiah will come. So this scripture is in your notes, and this kind of gets to the nut uh, and, the, and the gem, the heart of the story. But let's read 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 and 13 out loud. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. So when we read in the very beginning of Matthew about Joseph and Mary of the family, they were of the tribe of Judah, of the family of David. And now here comes Jesus. And so these two blind men have heard of Jesus. And there's whispers and talk. Could he be the the Messiah? So they want to let him know, we want to be healed. We heard you have the power to heal, and we believe you are the promised Messiah. Son of David, have mercy on us. And that caught Jesus' ear. That's what he had come to bring and what he had come to reveal. And what they prayed is very powerful. And by the way, I want to just add, this is the most powerful prayer we can pray is, Lord, have mercy on us. Would you say that out loud with me? Lord, have mercy on us. There are many people that pray other kinds of prayers. And, you know, sometimes uh, as a pastor and I read things that are in newspapers and all the social media stuff and the way people treat God and talk about God, I cringe. 
They're very judgmental, critical, angry, accusatory, and how dare you, and you know, you should do this, or they're giving God advice. I am so tired of people giving God advice online. How many would agree God doesn't need our advice? How are we running the planet? How's that working for us? Not so good. When you go to God, you go in absolute abject humility, and you don't demand anything. You don't say, you deserve this. We deserve this. You don't come with an attitude, but you just say, have mercy on us. These two blind men prayed a powerful prayer, and I'm telling you, it caught the ear of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. When you pray, and you pray not out of demanding, commanding, giving God advice, and God, why don't you do this? Many people's prayers are giving God advice on what to do in their lives. Don't do that. Pray for mercy. And I want to add this, um, the key, faith is the key. Now, I know you know this, but sometimes we've got to state the obvious. Faith is the key that unlocks the supernatural. And these men demonstrated it. Again, in verse 28, When he had come into the house, the blind men came to him. Jesus said to them, do you believe? Do you have faith that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. And then he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, let it be to you. And their eyes were opened. Um, Let me just say from my own life and experience, um, walking with God and being a Christian, um, God is constantly leading my life into places where he is wanting me to, Ray, will you trust me? Will you, will you trust me in this situation, in this area, uh, in this section of your life? And basically, if I could put it this way, um, growing as a son of God or a child of God or a daughter of God um, uh, discipleship has, it's like a test. <laughs> we get tested. So I've been tested. I'm being tested in a fresh way right now. Um, you are being tested. Uh, by the way, you must be tested in order to have a testimony. And what, here's the good news about the test. Because sometimes we hear about, oh my gosh, I've got a test. Some of us don't do well on tests. But let me just let you in on a secret. For the test that you have before God for all of eternity, there's only one question on the test. And the question is, do you believe me? Do you believe I'm able? Do you trust in me? Okay? And so there's only one question on the test, and here's how good God is as a teacher. He gives you the answer to the test before you take it. And if you fail the test and you don't trust him, The good news is you get to take the test again and again and again and again, and the answer will always be the same. Now, earlier, the leper, he had faith in Jesus' power to heal him. The centurion, who was a Gentile, he wasn't even Jewish, but he had kind of fallen in love with the Jewish God. And he said, look, I, you know, my servant is sick at home, uh, but I'm a man of authority. You know, I say to a guy, go. He goes, I say, come, come. I have authority. I know that. You have a power and authority. You don't need to come to my house. All you need to do is give the word, and it'll happen. And Jesus was amazed. Now, I would think it, it takes a lot to amaze Jesus. 
he was amazed. He was like, wow, I have not seen this kind of faith. This guy has the secret. It's about my power and my authority that when I give a command and when I give the word because I'm on my throne, it is done. It has happened. And so he did give the word. And the centurion went to his house. And by the time he got home, he found his servant was healed. And then he questioned him. It was the same hour that Jesus had given the word. But the disciples had a test. Remember when they were in the boat and the storm came? They failed the test. They were with Jesus. They didn't trust him. They still got to the other side, and they got to take the test again. The woman with an issue of blood was healed by her faith, and the same is true for all of you and me today. According to your faith, so let it be. How much will you trust in God? And all through life, it's about learning to let go and trust in God. I want to say that there is much, much more that God wants to give to us that we can have and possess if we will have faith and trust Him. There is also much that is not received because it is never grasped by faith. Now, these two blind guys had special faith. I want to talk for a moment about the special faith of the two blind men. Number one, they had faith to follow Jesus, forsaking all other paths, and to follow Him alone. There's no other way to say this, but the exclusivity of Jesus Christ, by his own word, out of his own mouth, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father unless he come through me. These two blind men believed that he was the coming Messiah. They decided to follow Jesus, which for being blind is not easy. You've got to get someone to help you and put your hand on their shoulder. Please take me to Jesus. And they did whatever it took to follow him and him only. Secondly, they had faith to cry out to Jesus. How are they going to get an audience with him? And they can't see him, and they can't quietly wait in line to go up. So they just, when they said, is he near? Yeah, he's down, you know, right there on the corner. They just started yelling and shouting, son of David, son of David, have mercy on us. They had faith to make some noise and not be embarrassed by it. And I want to just say to you that um, part of what broke through the supernatural for them to be able to see and be healed of their blindness was their desperation, and thus their prayer came. uh, They shouted to God. And I don't know if anyone has ever told you this before, but, you know, from this scripture and from this example, I want to give you permission that life is tough, being a human being, you know, till we get to heaven. Heaven is cool and heaven is awesome. Life is tough and then you die. That's how it all ends. So there's going to be desperation. There's going to be moments. And so some of the most powerful prayers you can pray are when you literally cry out loud and shout to God. And I want you to, I'm just being honest with you. There have been moments in times in my life. I don't, you know, I don't do it all the time. I'm not a madman. But there have been times in my life where, you know, I'm feeling weight and pressure or whatever, and I get alone, and, and I, you know, you would not recognize me. I do some shouting. And I get real, real on, honest and raw, and I, I scream out to God. And I want to tell you, every time in my life that I have done that, 
God has not only heard my prayer and answered my prayer, but given me supernatural, it's almost like vindication that, yeah, I heard you, son, and I've answered you. So if you've never done that before, a lot of us think to be a Christian, we've got to control our emotions and just be nice all the time. <laughs> That's not what it's about. It's about being real. Being human is made in his image. Trust me, you won't scare God if you yell and cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus hears those prayers and he responds. So not all of you may be there right now, but you probably have been there. Uh, maybe you are there, or if not, you will be in the future. I want to give you permission uh, to cry out to God. Get alone, shout, shout it out, cough that furball up and get it out for crying out loud, and let God speak to you. And they did. And they asked for mercy, and they received mercy. Now let's go quickly on to the next story. It says in verse 30, or, uh, 32, and, and they went out, and behold, they brought to him a man mute and demon-possessed. And when the demon was cast out, the mute spoke. And the multitudes marveled, saying, it was never seen like this in Israel. But the Pharisees said, he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. I want to mention that whenever the you know, messianic power, kingdom power is unleashed, there will always be a demonic backlash. There's a difference between sickness and demonic activity. Um, but there are times when demons have the power to cause physical afflictions. And this was one of those. They, they closed this poor guy's mouth. And it wasn't psychological. It wasn't physical. It wasn't you know, something wrong with his uh, body, but it was spiritual, it was supernatural. And I love that Jesus came to bring deliverance. Um, and, and all I can tell you is this, that there is spirituality, you know, outside of Christianity, uh, whether it's Eastern religions, other gods, gurus, cults, all cults, a black magic, uh, witchcraft, etc. There's stuff out there. There's spiritual experiences out there. But it all has one common source ultimately when it all comes back. And it goes back to actually an angel that was created and was there in the beginning with God. His name was actually Lucifer. Lucifer is a name that means light or light bearer. Uh, he was called the anointed cherub that covers. He is the highest kind of angel that God had ever created. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 28 speaks about this. Isaiah chapter 14 speaks about it. And there were earthly kings that are mentioned, but behind it is a supernatural power that really is this, this guy Lucifer. Because of pride and a desire to become more powerful than God, he rebelled. Now, it's not like you can go to the Bible and find out everything you want to know about angels and demons. They're scattered little bits and pieces all throughout the Bible. It's not until the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, that we even find out how many of the angels went with the devil in rebellion against God. But we're told one-third of them. So you need to know this. In this supernatural, spiritual, gigantic world that is out there, 
Um, yes, there are fallen angels who are then later called in the Bible demons who are in rebellion against God under their kind of assumed leader, Lucifer, who is later called Satan or the adversary who is resisting God. But know this, there are twice as many angels as there are fallen, fallen angels. So there's more that are for you than that are against you. And God is on the throne and he's all, you know, he's the creator. So he's, he's not intimidated, but this battle continues to work itself out. And apparently even in those days, 2,000 years ago, there were rabbis that there were some miracles and some things that would happen, but this was one that was, if it happened at all, was extremely rare. And not only that, it would have been a long, drawn-out battle. What shocked everyone was the ease, the simplicity, the power, the command, boom, right there when Jesus cast that demon out and the demon fled fearfully. In fact, whenever they come out, they're saying, they're scared. Have you come? We know we're going to get judged. Are you judging us now? And so they will be judged and they do fear. So I want you to know this, even though the whole spiritual supernatural world is real, you know, you've got to, if you're a baby Christian, man, you've got to get caught up with what's really going on. There are things beyond what you see in the physical realm, just below the surface that are constantly happening. That's why you can't just get saved and stay static. You've got to press in. You've got to grow. You've got to, you've got to wake up. You've, you've got to get educated. You need to find out your identity, who you are in Jesus Christ, because only then can you begin exercising your authority in Jesus. But if you do that, you don't have to live in fear or anxiety, for he always overpowers the enemy. Amen? So... They may have been thinking of this uh, verse when Jesus not only healed the blind, but then this uh, demon-possessed guy uh, that created a mute situation uh, is cast out. Let's read it out loud together. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. So, that is, so Jesus is literally point by point fulfilling everything that was anticipated and prophesied. When the Messiah gets here, then the blind will see. Then the deaf will hear. Then the dumb will speak. Then the lame shall leap like a deer. I just met a man. I was out in El Cajon if you'll give me just a minute. Can, can I take one extra minute to tell you one story? So last night I was out in Alcon at another church called, called Foothills Church. And anyway, I, I met this guy that I, I didn't know, but he was part of the North Park Theater many moons ago. And, you know, so he knew I had been there and um, he had, his spine somehow had been damaged and severed and he was, he was in a wheelchair. And he was in a service, and uh, this pastor friend that, that happened to be there just kind of saw a vision, and he saw Jesus. And he saw Jesus walk down, you know, the aisle where everybody's there singing, worshiping, whatever. Jesus walks up to the guy that's in the wheelchair. The wheelchair guy doesn't see it, but just this guy sees it in his uh, mind or imagination by faith. And, the, and Jesus reaches down, hugs the guy in the wheelchair, and gives him a kiss. So this guy goes, I don't know how to say this, but 
you know, it comes up to the guy who was up in the front in the wheelchair, and he goes, I just had a vision. Jesus came down. He loves you so much. He walked down. He gave you this big bear hug, and he just gave you a kiss. Five minutes later, that guy gets a, he feels some tingling inside, and he gets a weird thought. He goes, I don't, this is crazy, because his legs were like this big around. He goes, I feel like I could stand up. So he tries. The next thing you know, he's standing. Nobody pays attention. They don't even know because they're all singing and worshiping. And then as he's standing there, which he's not able to do, he, five minutes after that, he gets this vision of his mind that he, he feels something inside of him churning. He goes, I, I feel like I got to run. He starts running. And then everybody's like, hey, that's the lame guy. What's he doing running around? Now, this guy, so I just met him uh, on, on Friday night. This guy goes to his doctor that was trying to help him through. Now you're not going to be able to walk. You know, you're severed, damaged spine and everything. He walks into the office. Hey, doc, how are you doing? And the doc's like, what? <laughs> He's looking at him. Where's the steel stuff? What are you, bionic? And he goes, no, I went to this church thing. This guy had a vision. Jesus hugged me. Man, I've been feeling great ever since. <laughs> he goes, lay down, lay down. He laid him down. He laid him down. He goes, we got to take pictures. He takes pictures, you know, and, and then he throws the thing up under the light and he just shakes his head. He goes, dude, the damage is still there. It's, a, it's impossible physically for you to be able to, this is a miracle. He, he didn't know what else to call it. So our God is an awesome God. Closing, then Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, not only in declaration, but with demonstration of power and authority and healing every sickness, every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. What a great description of seven billion people on planet earth in the year 2018. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. I believe that Jesus has a lot of compassion right now. When he looks at what's happening, he's not angry. He's moved with compassion for the suffering going on. And I, you know, again, I just want to say that I had felt before and, and I even more now believe that Billy Graham's being taken to heaven is, is a sign of where we are in God's timing. And God took him up, and now the gospel is going around. Uh, and how many of you have heard this song, or you, you know of this song, I Can Only Imagine, about heaven, right? So a, a friend of mine, Cindy Bond, was the original producer of that, and apparently, I didn't know, it was a great song about heaven, there's a story behind the song. So there's a movie out called I Can Only Imagine. I haven't seen it yet, but I'm gonna, because I need some encouragement about heaven and to think about heaven. But may God use uh, stories, testimonies, and may the world start hearing there's hope, and may their blinders be taken off, and may the light of the glory of God shine upon them. And I pray this Easter that people will see the goodness of God and come in to accept the King of, of heaven. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Maranatha Chapel. If you haven't already, please subscribe for weekly messages. Feel free to share this podcast and join us for our weekend services held Saturday evening or Sunday morning. 
Visit our website at www.maranathachapel.org for more information.